Hello, and welcome to Recapping with Delora and Ashley. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Recapping Podcast. Also, rate, review, and subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. We're on all the things. We want to hear your thoughts on the movies and shows we review. Leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or our YouTube channel, and we will read them during the show. Or reach out to us on social media. We love talking all things entertainment and pop culture with you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. Hello, 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 Delora. We are back for the first recap of 2024. Can you believe it? Yay! I'm excited. This show is, uh, we could say it's a little bit about a rebirth. So fitting for 2024 in a sense, right? Sure. I be trying to find ties. (laughs) I be trying. (laughs) Guys, the series we're talking about, which I teased on the end of the last episode, if you have not gotten a chance to listen to it, go back and take a listen. We're talking about Black Cake. This is a Hulu series, eight hour long episodes premiered back in November of 2023. Quick summary, decades after Covey disappears in the ocean under mysterious circumstances, a flash drive will change Eleanor Bennett's life forever. This is based on the novel of the same name by Charmaine Wilkinson. Oprah Winfrey serves as an executive producer. Mm-hmm. Cast Mia Isaac as Covey, Chipo Chung as Eleanor Bennett, Adrian Warren as Benny, Ashley Thomas, aka I think Bashy, because he's like a artist, as Byron, Sashay Anderson as Bunny, Simon Wan as Lynn, Ahmad El Haj as Gibbs, Sonita Henry as Mabel. Faith Alabi as Pearl, Jeremiah Burkett as Burke Bennett, and Glenn Turman, legend, as Mr. Mitch. Reviews. Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Glenn Turman. Percy Jackson. I was like, yes, sir. Get those checks. Was he general or colonel? What was he in the world? On a different world. That's yeah. a good question. I just remember the uniform. I couldn't yeah. tell you which specifically. Same. Reviews. Rotten Tomatoes, 100% critic score. Congratulations. <laughs> 82% audience score. And 55% of Google users have given this show a thumbs up. The range. <laughs> what is your grade, Delora, for this first season of Black Cake? Black cake i heard rumbles about it and i was wanting to watch i was wanting to have read this book before the recap but the wait list is long (laughs) at the library yes yes because you know support libraries and also support those those pockets okay because absolutely reading as a hobby is expensive um Indeed. I've actually discontinued my Audible subscription for the moment. I need to go back to library (laughs) checkouts myself because I'm a big advocate of the library as well. I have very fond memories of going to the library as a kid. And I think people forget it as a resource as an adult. Yeah, they do. So because of that, I was like, oh, so I'm excited to see what, you know, the series has to offer because 
when it comes to books, you have a really fleshed out characters and, and um, overall story. So this series, it's very immersive. It is gorgeous, especially in scenes at her homeland in Jamaica. But it was just, you were definitely on the ride. And I had visceral reactions to some of the characters as well. And they left it very open-ended. And I am absolutely on board to see what happens next. It's going to be interesting because there's not any source material (laughs) after the initial book. So... Well, there is still source material in the sense that there is more to unpack with all of the characters in the book than just the story that we get in the series. Okay, that's good to know. Okay, good to know. But I give this story an A minus. So the reason why I give it an A minus instead of an A plus 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 is because I thought it was well acted, but I thought some of the interactions between characters, I just wanted more. I wanted more between Covey and Gibbs. Like it wasn't given what I needed to give. I actually, I felt like Gibbs was kind of dry at points. Hate to say it. Um, You wanted more of their love story, essentially. I, I wanted to feel it and I wasn't, I wasn't getting it, but shout out to the casting directors, <laughs> young Covey and older Eleanor. What? Like phenomenal. And I really, really enjoy the conversation around race and identity, especially with being an immigrant. And that's like a, a through line throughout the entire series. And I, I really appreciated this new perspective for me, you know, um, especially of her being Jamaican and Chinese and her, her father having such a strong Jamaican accent. And that's, that's a reality, but being African-American, you don't see that often. And I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed how immersive the story was. That's very well said, Delora. I agree with so many uh, things you mentioned, especially the immersiveness. Like I was very emotionally invested in this series as it was going. I think that's one of the reasons too why I wanted to read the book is because I didn't want to leave these characters yet. I felt very connected to kind of what so many of them were going through, particularly Covey and wanting to have a better understanding of her journey in depth. I mean, they give us a lot of depth in the show really, um, to be honest, but I just, I wanted even more. And so it's an A for me because I really, again, think that this series was so well done. I think to the point about um, wanting more from some of the interactions, I think there was so much to unpack that this probably could have been extended into two seasons with all everything you had. But I think with, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I think with what the, I think with what they revealed, I understand why they layered it the way that they did because those bombshells were kind of the biggest draw (laughs) to push you forward. It's like, what's going to be revealed next? You know, what shocking secret is there that could possibly come after this one? And how, what's the fallout going to look like? Because I think 
and but I'm going to get into the spoiler alert in just a minute. I think there's a lot to be said for learning about things after you no longer have access to a person, right? Ooh, and yes. and how much different that hits you when you can't even talk something out. So to your point, very visceral emotions I had, particularly episode seven, devastated me to a certain extent. Um, I'm not going to lie. Emotionally, I was really impacted by the episode. And so I just think, you know, wonderful cast. Uh, I love the scenes in the Caribbean. Um, it makes me miss being close to the to the water, like really close to the water. I love how they're showing Black people swimming and surfing. I think the whole conversation about Black people being involved in like ocean sciences and all that stuff was a fascinating yes. part of the, the series. And yes. I actually recommended this show to your point about being African-American. I recommended this show to one of my friends who is Caribbean because I wanted his perspective, right? I wanted to understand the things he felt he related to or didn't relate to what was more true to life for him that sort of thing and so we had some good conversations based off of that as well and shout out to Johnny who pushed me to watch this show in the first place Johnny was like have you seen Black Cake yet have you seen Black Cake oh, yet yes. have you seen Black Cake yet and so I just wanted to give a shout out to Johnny for putting me on to really get into this series in the first place because it was a great ride so spoiler alert guys let's get into the good good of Black Cake so the reason why I said that this could be kind of considered a rebirth is because it was all a lie, right? The whole mm -hmm. series starts with Eleanor, a woman who has passed away due to a brain tumor. And upon her death, her son Byron and her estranged daughter Benny are given recording she made to basically disclose her true story and her true identity. And it's the story of Coventina, a.k.a. Covey, from Jamaica, who dreamed of being a professional swimmer with her best friend, Bunny, and boyfriend, Gibbs. Now, I just want to start by asking you, Delora, because we've talked about this even when it came to Carrie Washington's memoir and the idea that at first her parents were going to take her paternity to the grave. How yep. would you feel if your parent or loved one passed away and you're given a series of recordings and are told, hey, here's the truth, but you'll never be able to have that conversation with them after the fact. How would you have felt in that initial um, moment, you think? In all honesty, I'm, I'm bearing it all on the podcast. I would be pissed and feel like they were cowards. Mm. That's how upsetting <laughs> that type of information would be because I am a cancer. I do still have a heart. So I would immediately go for trying to understand what drove them to these decisions. You know what I mean? And why they didn't take the time to just talk to me before they left. I know that I would definitely feel a sense of betrayal. I would be upset that you did not feel comfortable enough because I think that I understand that people aren't necessarily going to tell you everything, but I think that I would have felt so upset that there was never a level of comfort to even disclose things that could have helped me better understand myself even right my history my family all of those things but my curiosity and my grief would have outweighed that I know that for sure like I'm not I couldn't just walk away from the recordings either I wouldn't have been like well 
whatever. I'm let let it rest. No. <laughs> I got to know everything. Uh absolutely. And again, visceral initial reaction along with like trying to understand and then it would go into the phase of like well why couldn't you trust me with this information when you were alive like what have I done to make you not feel like I'm a safe space to have these type of conversations and I think I would go back to the coward thing (laughs) (laughs) well I think Benny and Byron both had their reactions, but of course we move forward and we proceed with starting to hear some of these recordings that Eleanor has made for them. And we get the childhood of Covey, her father, Lynn, and their family friend slash employee, Pearl, basically raised Covey after her mother left them when she was 11. But Lynn was a gambler who got into debt with a dangerous loan shark named Little Man. To settle his debt, Lynn sold Covey off to him at 16 to be married. This made me so sick. Ashley, again, visceral reactions in terms of you were just berating her for talking to a boy, talking about you need to focus on your swimming and your education, but you were so careless that you pimped out your only child to pay your debts. It almost brings tears to my eyes. I felt so abandoned on her behalf. Like I've already lost my mother and now my father has sold me off to marry a dangerous, it's not just the age, which is horrific enough. She's not even a woman yet. She's still a child, but it's also to the worst person you could have possibly married her off to on that entire island, who's going to basically rape her exactly for the rest of her life and impregnate her and ruin her um, mentally, physically, emotionally, everything. And so in that moment, when he comes back after a little man had come into the house and met him, touched her and all that stuff, he was like, oh, um, I want you to get to know Clarence. I, the first time I saw the series, I was in shock. I was like, what is yeah. happening? Clarence, like, how can you even sit here and say this to me? Yeah. And for, I was just so upset because I'm like, you're so selfish and irresponsible. And now I'm paying for your irresponsibility with my life. More than more than selfish to me. You should have been willing to sacrifice yourself Self. a thousand times before you would ever be willing to sacrifice your child. And you know what was so fascinating to me was she still had so much faith in her father. And Ashley, I know we are millennials in our 30s. And I don't know when the transition happened, but she and her friend had baby faces. Like you were literally dialing up your baby girl to this grown as dirty man because you got a self-control issue. Made me sick. But to your point, she she did want to still believe in her father and believe that he could somehow help her and rescue her. It felt abusive in a sense, emotionally to still think that and feel that based on what had happened. But it makes sense. Cause again, you already were abandoned by your other parent. 
um, without another word from her. So I can only imagine the loss in the sense of like attachment you would feel to your remaining parent. So I was, I was really upset. Covey played along to your point, thinking her father or somebody else would inevitably figure it out. And at the reception, little man is killed. He's poisoned and Covey makes her escape to London with help from Bunny and Pearl. I have to say Covey has made interesting decisions throughout this series, but I was so happy that she was self-aware enough to be like, there's commotion going on over here. I'm just going to go ahead and just slip into the darkness real quick. Let me get the fuck up out of here. (laughs) The fact that the guy, little man, still has so much familial support at that wedding was also deeply disturbing to me. Girl, they either had to be on payroll or just simply afraid of him. Or actually cared about that man. Like, he is a horrible thug, literally, the definition. Literally. um, In the community who terrorizes everybody for money and whatever else he needs. He's known to do horrible things to other women and girls that live there. And yet y'all would go here and support him marrying a 16-year-old child bride. (sighs) Okay. So, Byron at this point is over the revelations. It's like, forget this. I don't want to hear another word. I got work to deal with. I'm leaving. But Benny found comfort in hearing that her mother was not perfect. How were you feeling at this point in the series? I was invested. I wanted to know if Covey had anything to do with little man's death. I mean, shout out to her community her best friend and Pearl coming together. Cause I'm not going to lie. When Pearl was sitting up there making that cake, I was like, I literally put in my notes, Pearl is useless. (laughs) (laughs) Your daddy's my employer. Like sis, what? You making the cake to this wedding, you know, shouldn't be happening. I think we got to see it so much from Covey's perspective that it did feel like everybody was failing her. Yes, it did. It was like, am I in the twilight (laughs) zone that nobody is going to stand up for me? Nobody's going to come stab this man to death or do something. Right. But they came through, obviously, when when her best friend was like, hey, I got you. I got your bad set. You going to London in the morning. I was like, oh, okay. Relief. Yeah. Yeah. I was so glad she was able to escape. I was worried that they were going to have people at the dock to stop her from being able to get on the ship. But thankfully she made it out and found work as a nanny and lived at a boarding house with a roommate named Eleanor, who was an orphan. Mm. They decide to head to Scotland together so that Eleanor can pursue her dreams of studying geology. But sadly their train crashes, killing Eleanor and injuring Covey. At the hospital, while she recovers, the nurse mistakes Covey for Eleanor. And so she decides to leave her real identity behind for good. In a flashback, we see Lynn gambling as a boy to help his parents and continued, quote unquote, to support the family. 
Did you have any sympathy for Lynn getting this glimpse into how things started for him and the path and troubles he inevitably found himself in as a result? Sliver, just because it helped explain his actions, right? It it was like essentially him chasing that first high, but he had been doing it his entire life and has lost his wife, his business, and then his daughter as a result. I mean, when sis said, you're dead to me <laughs> at the wedding, I was like, Fair. I don't blame her. <laughs> I don't blame her. Again, it's that conversation of the immigrant story of like, he did what he thought he could do within the parameters of his community. Cause you, you know, he was dejected from his own family for choosing an island girl and the store was all that he had and, and his gambling. Right. So a little bit, but it was deplorable his behavior. I think it was great to be able to get that glimpse in the seed that it started with. Oh, I'm trying to really help my family. I'm trying to bring them some semblance of security that we haven't had because we've moved here. We're being persecuted for our, you know, racial identity, all these things. Right. And so it was helpful to get an understanding. But at the same time, Lynn's too fucking old at this point to still be doing the things that he's doing and not have found alternatives for other possibilities and resources if nothing else at some point if what you're doing here is not working you need to figure something else out because for your the sake of your child you know you know i thought i was done with him when you found out he was betting on his daughter swimming, swimming competi- competitions but of course the wedding took the cake <laughs> see what you did there yes So Covey now going as Eleanor stays in Scotland after the accident and after struggling to find work, gets a job as an assistant bookkeeper. Seemed like her biggest hardship there was going to be an office of Mean Girls, but the real villain was her boss, whose initial kindness was actually predatory grooming to sexually assault her. And she was not the only one. When I tell you I was utterly devastated for her i'm like my girl cannot catch a break (laughs) in this life i mean i knew something was up but i was just like but he kept hiding it in through the lens of kindness right and again thought it was the mean girls but to find out the reason why the lead bitch in charge (laughs) was the way she was is because she knew she knew what the formula she, she knew what he was doing she knew because when she made a comment about her beauty i was like oh hateration <laughs> in, in, in addition to racism you know um but it's like oh no girl you don't want to be pretty around here I just wish when she was like, I tried to warn you, I'm like, could you not have said it in plain English? Exactly. And let me clarify the way a woman presents herself does not I am not blaming her or anything like that Um, in that instance he is the predator and his actions regardless of whatever she was wearing she could have been butt booty naked he had no right to touch her ever so I just wanted to clarify that 
I was very, very upset because to your point, I had this feeling that there was something off about him. And I was like, well, maybe it's just me thinking because of everything she's gone through that she's not going to find someone who's genuinely being nice or genuinely trying to help her. His suspicions about her identity, all that stuff. I was like, well, maybe yeah. that's going to be what the issue is, right? Is he's going right. to find out the truth right. and it's going to be a big issue. When she fainted at that blood, I was like, sis, you need to be more aware of your name and what your former occupation was i'm like girl nurse um, is and, hard though that's a hard one to fake uh you know very. but then when he it was like oh she won't be here she'll be at dinner and i'm like you're inviting her to dinner in front of all these girls what are you doing mm-hmm. and then i was like oh well maybe it's okay because his wife is there but honestly wives and women have always been pawns in men's predatory schemes you know what i mean even if the wife has no idea the type of man she marries exactly which it doesn't exactly. seem like she does i still Correct. didn't enjoy the wife because to me it seems like she felt that she was a mascot um and that didn't sit well with me either during the dinner you conversation mean, yeah being the mascot of the the train incident and in yeah. the Caribbean community exactly I did not enjoy that conversation that they had but her but the, he was utterly disgusting and deplorable again men are very disappointing in this series <laughs> who have she's been involved with up until this point right except for Gibbs father complete letdown little man horrible now this boss horrible right what is even his name like i don't even know the boss yeah i don't even remember i'm sure they said it at some point but i it didn't stick in my memory because now now it's a trauma now it's traumatic exactly so Eleanor makes her way back to London and runs back into Gibbs, who had been there studying law. To fully escape her past, they move to America, get married, and start fresh as Eleanor and Bert. It occurred to me more on my second watch how much Gibbs had to give up to start this life with Eleanor, shedding his name his own family, his own identity. I hope that there, if there is a season two, we get a chance to hear a lot more about his background as well and what inevitably happened when he had to cut ties because so much of what we're hearing in the series is, well, here's my lineage. They have a whole nother lineage on their paternal side that they don't know anything about either. That's true. Bert actually wanted to tell Byron and Benny everything while they were still alive, but Eleanor did not agree. She worried that they might feel betrayed and leave them. They say you are only as sick as your secrets. Do you think their secrets killed them? Probably prematurely, because like, I'm not going to lie. I didn't think they were that old. Uh, I don't think they are in the um, series. Eleanor had, you know, an illness. So that was a bit different, but absolutely. The stress, stress is a killer. We know that for a fact. I think had Bert lived longer, Eleanor would have probably lived longer because I think her body had a a response to losing Bert. You know, that was a foothold for her that she really needed in the world. Yes. But she was even hiding things from him, we'll come to find out. So she was never fully empty 
around yeah. anybody. There was nobody that exactly. So having a brain tumor, I was like, it did seem fitting because your whole, your mind is, can only take so much. Right. And so I definitely think it unfortunately caught up to both of them in their physical health to have had to live with this for so long. I'm going to say this. There is no scientific evidence to support this claim, but I feel like if she didn't have that brain tumor, she could have dealt with some type of dementia or something too, because how can I put this? Um, I know my grandmother lived a very, very stressful life. She was very active. And so physically she was fine, but mentally she was not. And sometimes I wonder the the past traumas because I'm telling you, I I wish I knew everything about my grandmother. Oh, I'm going to talk about my granny too. Uh, But right now my grandmother because she went through a lot Mm. a lot black woman from mississippi didn't have a high education because she had to drop out of school to take care of her family because their mom died like real real heavy life stuff you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i don't know i i just it was either gonna be one thing or another i feel like yeah so let's talk about benny Benny did not speak to the family for eight years. She even missed her father's funeral, seemingly due to a Thanksgiving dinner that went sideways. She felt judged by the family for her career choices and for her love life. What did you think of that Thanksgiving dinner scene and Benny's response? Let me first say that Benny is my least favorite character out of this entire series. You are not alone. That has been a consensus amongst people that I've spoken to. It's not how I feel personally, but I understand it. I had zero patience for her and her activities. I feel like, I literally put this in my notes, Benny was a self-fulfilling prophecy. She, she felt like a failure. Therefore she did failure shit all the time. And I had zero patience for her. I don't know. I think I might've been empathetic towards her, obviously through her abuse that we'll talk, you know, further, um, further in later, but there is a known pressure for first generation Americans with immigrant parents to achieve and, you know, do well in their careers. On top of being black in America. Correct. As well. As well. So, and she obviously was a creative, a creative, I mean, having multiple modes everything from cooking to singing to art. But I do, maybe it's the firstborn in me. It's like picking lanes somewhere. Just just see something to completion. It's <laughs> not the firstborn in you. The people I've talked to have been younger siblings, middle siblings, age ranges, different age ranges, different genders. And Benny is, it has been a consensus that people have not enjoyed the character of Benny. I totally get the idea that Benny felt very self-involved as a character in the show um, compared to a lot of other people. Sometimes it felt like it was a me, me, me situation with her. 
But I, I, I also did not want to diminish her feelings, particularly once we find out about the abuse, because I'm like, there was a lot of psychological trauma that she inevitably had to deal with outside of just the, the physical abuse. And so I, I did end up feeling a lot of sympathy for Benny's character, but this dinner scene specifically, oh, I was super annoyed because I was like, how often as family members, as children, whatever, have we had those harder or more difficult conversations sometimes about, you know, your either expectations of your jobs, your relationships, whatever. Yeah. I I did not feel like it justified the reaction. But I, again, I don't yes. want to diminish Benny's feelings because I'm not in that family. I don't have those pressures, whatever. But you and your father got into it because to his point, I've given you a lot of money for your <laughs> academic. You know how many people who didn't have that privilege exactly. of having a parent to support them? I've sent you to two school programs. Yes, I'm going to be a bit upset now that it feels like my money is being wasted. And you're telling me after the fact that you dropped out of school. That to me felt like a a, a parent, a normal parent reaction. But yes. the, the reaction of you then therefore not speaking to your family for years. For eight Years. That felt like an extreme situation to me, or extreme response rather. To Honestly, me. I knew I wasn't gonna be fucking with her when she shows up after eight years to her brother Byron, already late to the meeting. Tamo, can you just give me a hug? You needed eight years to process. I need for you to process the fact that I don't want to touch you right now. That felt weird for sure to have that type of reaction. It's like, so you expect just everything to get brushed under the rug now that we're, we've lost, lost both of our parents, which to, to his point, he didn't even know why she had missed their dad's funeral. Right. Didn't even think that you were going to show up now for the mom's funeral. We've been estranged. Eight is a big number. That's a big, that's a, a big age. Okay. <laughs> I, a some child people, has a full consciousness. Some people <laughs> stay in better contact with a family member who's in prison. Whew, and you lived an hour away. You lived now. That is a difference from the book, though. In the book, she was living in New York, so it was a different coast um, that she was in. Yeah, and that makes sense with the art scene situation. I yeah, get that. but I, I this this I, I have no. I can't really give a pass to Benny at all for this. This felt like a again an extreme reaction, in my opinion. And it, uh, for her, more unfortunate than for anybody else because you missed time with your parents your father died two years in two years and you didn't even come back to see how your mom and your brother were doing after you didn't even call you didn't even pick up the phone and call you telling me you didn't call your mama and just want to even hear her voice after your father died again it felt extreme and i knew i wasn't even messing with her because the way she dropped her girlfriend was so uncalled for to me. It was also the way she spoke to her. It's not just that you yes. that you dropped her. It was the the yes. all of a sudden everything is on her and it's her fault and it's you the reason why we even came here in the first. She was <sighs> she was very immature. That's very one of the best ways to put it. Lacked accountability on all fronts. She was very immature with that reaction, for sure. Things were more complicated. 
than they seemed with Benny's absence. As we mentioned, she had gotten into an abusive relationship and actually was ashamed to go into her father's funeral because she had a really solid black eye from a physical fight or not even a fight, a, a beat down yeah. from her boyfriend, Steve. Yep. And she finally reveals the truth to Byron. And obviously not only as her older sibling, but as her older brother, I felt Byron's pain and thinking about the fact that he wasn't there for his sister. Right. Exactly. Especially when she's being physically abused by another man. Right. But I'm glad that she, because of her realizing that secrets were kept so strongly by her parents, not wanting to become that person. <laughs> it's like, I and, don't want to be this. I don't want to do this. And is it just me? But I feel like Black families got some deep secrets. Like, granted, this no, there's show... No, there's no feel like. <laughs> You don't be finding out about stuff till you look through paperwork and pictures after people or people show up to funerals and you're like, who are you? Exactly. And so like this generation in particular is something else because again, speaking of my other granny, my granny ran away from home, changed her name, had a baby. The fact that my dad said, I don't know how old he was. He was like probably like 12, anywhere from 12, 15. Somebody knocked on the door, asked for a derivative of my granny's name. And they were like, well, no, this person lives here. And they were like, we're her long lost brother. Wow. And I was like, this era, I'm not going to lie. I'm like, what a time to be alive to literally be hopping countries, changing your names and yeah. lying about your yeah. occupations. Like I you a, could I have really... a relative who's still missing to this day. Still, I don't know what happened to this relative. Someone, people in the family may know. I don't know. Uh, and <laughs> oh so gosh. part of me, to your point, is like, that's wild that there are so many secrets that have been kept over the years by people within different generations but part of me also envies their level of ability to be private like part of me also right. envies an era where you could completely change your identity move to another country and that just is what it is catch me if you can literally. could never could never be us today right they'd be could like hold never. on why don't you have why don't you have anything on your facebook past 2005 exactly who are you really <laughs> not even 2005 because that's that was like real right when it started but y'all know what right. i mean if you don't have even enough of a electronic footprint these days it seems suspicious so and let alone all i need is a partial birth date to forge a whole new identity you know so they were allowed to get away with much more than we're allowed to get away with today that's for yep. damn sure in another bombshell revelation that not even her husband knew about, Eleanor had another child, a daughter, who turns out to be a fairly famous, and by the time we meet her, a bit infamous, culinary writer <laughs> and historian named Mabel. Mabel is white passing with yep. wealthy parents. I was like, was she giving us the double m's like Meghan markle like i almost wonder if there was a huh. nod <laughs> it was three m's mabel matilda martin 
which oh, is yeah. fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> she also has a son and nobody, including her, has between her and her son has any idea of her real history or identity. She was rocked to get a call from Mr. Mitch, Eleanor's lawyer. What did you think about her reaction on that call and also about um, Benny and Byron's reactions when they found out this news? So with her reaction, Bravo says, to go back to that date and and kept a straight face, I would have been like, this was lovely. Let's take a rain check. Talk to you soon. I mean, you know, what we were talking about earlier with these bombshell secrets, it's like your sense of, you know, grounding yourself in who you are and your identity has been literally blown up into pieces and you're starting from zero. And she's significantly significantly older than her her siblings, you know what I mean? And so, and I say that to say, like, you mean to tell me I'm adopted and I'm black? <laughs> I what am, is that? I am not just adopted and I'm black. I'm adopted. I'm black. I'm Chinese. Chinese. I'm My Scottish. mother was 19. <laughs> I was close to my parents yeah, and they have lied to me my entire, entire life. life. I mean, it was earth shattering. Ashley. For Mabel. And then, and then in terms of her siblings, Byron, I think I empathize with him the most just being like rattled. Benny wanted to smack her in the face. Talking about I lived in the shadow of my invisible sister. Like, where are you coming from with this mindset? Like I, I couldn't, I could not follow her and her thought process. I've been living in her shadow. How is this about you? <laughs> Your mom said her baby was taken from her after an assault. I've got to finish the audio book because there is a lot of Benny so far in the audio book. And I just wonder if it was the interpretation that people um, feel so viscerally about with the portrayal of Benny, because I wonder if it's main character energy that that actress took from the book. And she had to realize that you're not the main character of the show, though. Does that make sense? Like, no, what are you saying about the book? So I think in the book, Benny's story and feelings are centered so much more than they may seem like they are in the show. Like she has a lot of reference points in the books. Like the chapters are named after the characters. So you get okay. a lot of Benny. You get a lot. You hear a lot of Benny. And so okay. I'm just wondering if part of the reason why people get so annoyed with her character in the show is because she is centered a lot in the book but in the show Covey slash Eleanor is the main character so for Mm. Benny to always be inserting her viewpoint or her perspective seems annoying because it's like but you're not you're not the star of this show like this you're not the main character you are an ensemble part of the cast and speaking again only referencing based off the television show she's giving real nova energy for me uh from like queen sugar oh my goodness i had so many feelings about nova i still have not finished 
queen sugar and i need I to didn't finish it either. but you never go against the family like i feel i'm such a loyalty loyalty person i'm not saying now there are obviously horrible things that people can yes. do that you don't have to stand behind but she tested me on on with certain things the way she behaved and the thing the choices she made for sure but but even still she stood on them more than benny nova was 10 toes down for in and she'll come and talk to you in your face about why she did what she did you know so that yeah. was a strong difference between those two characters but I, I have to finish the book and then I can have more to say, but I do wonder if that was a little bit of why it always seemed like she felt so centered with her commentary in the show. But yeah, Mabel, poor thing. I cannot even imagine what it would be like to have gotten this news. Benny and Byron, I think I was just more curious about, are y'all going to be accepting, especially once you realize what she looks like? Because mm. to realize not only do I have another sibling, but I have a sibling who is passing as a white woman and byron is a black man byron so is a I... black man already <laughs> dealing with racial discrimination yep. issues at work and all yep. these things and so that could have been one of the more jarring aspects of it too and then obviously knowing that it's likely the product of her their mother's sexual assault as well girl and that's another thing i'm just gonna go ahead and say it now for her to find out the origin of her conception not out of love but out of it's a lot to have to process that's heavy yep heavy can we talk about byron's relationship with his girlfriend lynette for a second now can we not because that was gross whatever now see whatever happened for all y'all who hated benny lynette is my least favorite character on this whole show it's it's a it's a tie i don't know it no benny wins but still nah not for me. Lynette. Why is she still his girlfriend? Like they've been together for like 10, 15 years at this point. Lynette was so harsh to me and insensitive to me with her verbiage and her timing, right? Because Lynette essentially ends things to your point. They've been together for like a decade. She knows the fam. She's around. She's a documentarian. She's doing her Why thing. Why are they not married? Like It doesn't seem like that may be something she wanted for real, but she ends things with him because she feels like he has an inability to stand up for himself in the workplace with the discrimination that he's faced. And again, I thought the the timing and tone were particularly harsh. You know everything that Byron is going through right now. And this is the time that you want to basically say, I don't respect you because of the, the fact that you're not putting yourself out there in the ways that I feel like you should. I was like, ma'am, can you I, give my I, guy a break? I didn't, I didn't understand her argument. And I am, you and I talk about, you know, being corporate America, being a black person, standing up for yourself, knowing when to play the game. But I, I, yes, he didn't get the promotion. We all know why, but what do you really want from him? I don't, I, he just found out his, uh, about the news about the promotion and his mom just died. I don't think his reaction was bad. Not only did his mom just die, his mom just died and he found out everything about her and his father was a lie. He has a random sister that he has never met. Who has been gone. His, his sister, sister has re-entered his life 
after being gone for nearly a decade. I just don't under to say that you have the worst yes. timing is yes. a complete understatement. This is why Lynette is my least favorite character. One, Benny is selfish. Yes, Benny makes selfish decisions for damn sure. But I never thought that Benny was cruel necessarily in this way. To me, this was cruel. Like you fully know what he's going through. I don't know. Cause like, okay, so not that they have to be compared, even, but this is true. just why I didn't fuck no, with no. Lynette. No, no. I was gonna say, cause part part of what she said that obviously pissed me off was at his mom's funeral where I'm like, he did kind of ask for it though. Like, you know what I mean? Cause she was like, oh, not now, not now. But yeah, it was a lot. And I was just like, sis, <laughs> this is so, so in cruel, but I'm like, how old are you? <laughs> like, how old are y'all? What are you talking about? You don't know you're, if you're having a baby. Y'all ain't never had this conversation in 10 years. It doesn't seem like it because- I was going to get to that point when she comes to the funeral service for his mother and she says, actually, the reason why I've been so acting the way I have is because I'm found out I was pregnant and I don't think I actually want to keep the baby. I don't, I can't see myself with kids. It was shocking to think that they have been in this relationship for this long and never had these in-depth conversations about where they saw themselves whether they were going to get married, whether they wanted to have children, all those type of conversations. But yet again, for me with Lynette, where is your sensitivity chip? I know that you did not want to have that conversation there. If that's the case, don't even bring your ass to the funeral. <sighs> Send flowers. Let him know you're thinking of him. But don't bring your ass to that service. Because my guy is going through it enough. But I felt... I had, uh, I think I felt protective over Byron even throughout this series because Byron was kind of trying to take so much in stride, but he was the backbone of the I family. Mean, he was there that final year with his mom. He was there for his mom when his father passed away. He was yep. there for his mom through her treatment. He was there when everything happened and Benny shows back up, right? Like Byron was the backbone and had to take all that on by himself. And so I felt protective over Byron. So Lynette is on my shit list. We can move on. <laughs> we can move on. Byron got his opportunity to stand up for Benny against Steve, which ended in a beatdown and Byron's arrest. The cops were there in record time, weren't they? David said, where did they come from? <laughs> Like, bruh, who even had time to pick up the phone? I'm still that beating is, him who down. Called the cops? He just got on top of them. Girl, thankfully he was released when Benny pursued legal action against Steve and he drops the charges. What did you think of Byron's speech at that diversity panel he sat on when he finally got to speak his piece, Delora? I'm not going to lie. I was a little nervous because I'm just like, all right, Byron, a lot has happened in a short amount of time. You literally covering up bruises from the altercation. That your just career happened. is a major part of your identity. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate him speaking his truth, but I just was a little nervous of like, are you ready for the consequences and repercussions mm. of speaking the truth? Because I actually had this conversation um, at, at my company. We have a quote unquote, like me lunch. So uh, it's a place where black people uh, get on teams during lunch hour and have lunch. And we just talk about black things. 
Okay. Are these recorded? <laughs> no, they are not recorded, but they okay. are a safe space. And we were talking about how the timeline for D and D E and I is coming to a close. It, it's like I give it a good five years before we're back to the status quo. And I say that because I even brought up the Variety article that said that a study found that a lot of these, uh, you know, support people of color, women filmmakers was found to be performative by these major studios. And I'm like, duh, we know, you know what I mean? Even on that freaking panel, it was, it was, he was the only black person. I think there was only one woman on the panel. There were two women. A Were bunch of white women? dudes, and a he was the only person, only person of color, not just black person. Only there was not an Asian person, nope, Hispanic, the spectrum, Indian, nothing, nothing. And so, I just was like, "Are you ready for the fallout, sir?" That was I, my biggest concern. I wasn't even worried about the fallout. I was like, "Byron, do your thing." At this point. I loved when he moved the mic away from the white dude trying to interrupt him. I loved when he told the moderator, I'm not finished yet. I loved that he at this moment knew exactly what he wanted to say and the way that he wanted to say it. And he stood on that. Yes. And I think sometimes when you're in those moments and you're unprepared for how you're going to say it, that can be why there can be an issue. But I think Byron was more than prepared to say what he felt like he needed to say. And all he's, he spoke on facts, right? He spoke on facts. And, and I'm not going to lie. I also had anxiety because I didn't want somebody standing up and saying, weren't you just arrested last night for... Thankfully, like, thankfully, it didn't seem like that had become public knowledge, at least yet. No, exactly. Even though uh, that's public record and you can easily find someone's mugshot yep. online. Um, but they fingerprinted him. Yeah. But the thing is, is that this, he, he got such a positive response that we get a chance to see. He blew up on social media. And so the reception was very right. well, well received. Right. Inevitably, and, is there going to be change? I don't know. Not but sure. <laughs> I, I will say in that case only, what Lenora was talking about had some validation because I don't think he would have gotten that wake up call any other way. Yeah, Lynette, but she's still trash. Or Lynette, sorry. Yeah, she's still trash. All right. Mabel shows up to hear the recording from Eleanor and almost left town after hearing about the assault and her, you know, feelings about that obviously would be devastated yet again i found mabel's journey to the truth to be particularly painful like i said episode seven was hard for me to sit through not only once but twice going through that whole situation of seeing her run after the car for her baby brings tears to my eyes every time i think about it because I just felt like this character went through so much and has lost so much. And so I can only imagine how distraught you have to be to then have your child taken from you in this way and how she still had to find the strength to keep going, to move on at 19 years old. And so that residual like trauma 
for Mabel to hear, I was just like, damn, even more to me than Byron and Benny and them finding out that their parents' lives weren't exactly what they thought. They still had years with them. They still knew their union was created of love and all these things. So Mabel's life journey in this series was painful to me. And I felt like she had a tougher, the toughest time. What did you think? Um, yeah, because she only had like, what, one tape out of everyone else, right? And so it's like- She had two. She had two. She She had the the last one with them and then one for herself. That's true. That's right. Yeah, it was a lot, Ashley. Uh, Just because her the bombshells were, what's that, Oppenheimer? (laughs) Sorry, it's not funny, but (laughs) it was- it was nuclear. gigantic. You're basically nuclear. saying that's nuclear pretty much what I'm trying to say. Bombshells. Because when she, when she said y'all have a sister and your own daddy didn't know about it, I was like, what? And then, because I was curious on the fallout of the assault. I'm not gonna lie, it it didn't it didn't sit well with me how they made that transition, but to know that it was like a whole entire year's time, I'm like, no wonder she seemed so broken by the time she got to Gibbs in London. My girl went through so much. I just wanted to give her a hug. You know, what I also love about this series is it reminds me of like those good, juicy, like movies and series that we grew up with, like, the the main one the joy luck club i mean just rich in story rich in character and just gut-wrenching <laughs> I, used re- I used to re-watch that one quite a bit whenever Me it showed too. up yeah I, I haven't seen it in years i actually we probably if, if we can find it we probably need to recap it because that was a phenomenal i mean we were hella young when we watched it Mm-hmm. but we mm-hmm. knew good art when we saw it Ashley. yep yep so to wrap the series we get a meet with the kids and bunny turns out bunny is the one who poisoned and killed little man to save covey she also had fulfilled their childhood swimming dreams which eleanor had kept track of over the years it seems like they came to the conclusion that the reason why Eleanor had kept her distance from Bunny over the years is because she knew the truth. She knew she was the one who Mm. had killed Little Man. Do you agree with that? Do you think that was the reason? You know, I I still had a hard time wrapping my head around the secrecy, especially after knowing some people are just on to glory after a while, like her father and Pearl. You know what I mean? And if this is if this was your best friend, we're talking about an island in the 1960s. Like I don't, I really find it, I find it to be difficult, especially towards the end of like her not reaching out. Like unless she didn't know what to say to her friend, like thank you for paving a way for my life. Like I don't know, like. I I get a sense from the book that they did get one reunion in before she passed away. So I'm curious as to why they deviated this way in the show and never had them have that moment. But I do hope that it is it was more so to keep her safe than to hide her own secrets because Benny was not a Benny. Bunny was the MVP. 
She saved your the life. real one. I mean, Gibbs. That's why I'm like womp womp. Like, oh, you love me, but you couldn't figure it out. <laughs> Bunny was like, I love you. Okay, like I will see it through. I'm the real love of your life, girl. It's truly. All right. So a few last questions as we wrap up. What did you think of the implied relationship between Eleanor and Mr. Mitch? I found out when I was older that the sweet old man used to who used to always come over to my grandma's house with Cracker Jacks <laughs> for the grandkids was actually her boyfriend. I didn't know. I just thought it was her friend. I had no idea. <laughs> He was her And I'm like, they were both widowed. So do what you need to do. Like, I thought it, it was sweet. It felt weird I, to me because of the fact why that they were was, friends with their spouses. Because he was Bert's business partner and Girl, friend and all of that. So it gave me the same vibes as this is us and <laughs> me having to come around to the idea of seeing Rebecca with Jack's best friend inevitably. Like even if it's a slow burn to come to, it takes me time to kind of wrap my head around the fact that I can see one person's spouse falling in love with someone who had such a significant relationship with their significant other and so i was like well i'm happy that you to me, seem like you found love again but it, girl it makes more sense than uh siblings falling for the widowed um well we're not spouse yeah. of that's we're not <laughs> That's, that's you know who I'm thinking about. You yeah. know who I'm thinking about. The Bidens. This yeah. is that's a whole different <laughs> can of worms to be talking about right there. That's a whole different can of worms. Like I said, I'm happy that it, that they inevitably would find love again. They both seem like wonderful people in the sense of you know wanting to be together for a good purpose. But it would take me a minute to wrap my head around it. There were a lot of comparisons made in the series between Bunny and Benny. Did you feel they were similar characters? No, I don't. I think outside of, you know, who they love, that was the only thing they had in common. And their name, right? Because we find name. out that Benny, yes. it was named after Bunny. I agree. They were polar opposite characters, actually. Because Bunny was selfless. Benny did not show not an iota of that level of character. Maybe Bunny being in her life will be a good influence. Inevitably. Was Pearl killed by Little Man's brothers? Because that seemed to be implied in one of the scenes, but they never explored it further. They never did. I mean, I'm a, I, even Bunny didn't bring it up when she was around so i'm like maybe it was just supposed to show that their presence was still going to be around um on the island not that she was actually harmed by them because i was like if they kill pearl and just didn't say anything that's kind of messed up i don't know i don't know because <sighs> did they imply that she was dead i just thought they were maybe you know, stalking her like, oh, we got eyes on you. You know, they didn't I mean? imply she was dead. They implied they could have done something to her because they were. Yes, they could have done something. Her. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
I just took it as intimidation, but yeah, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about Matilda, Covey's mom, and what you think may happen to her? Because I think that's something that if there is a season two, it's definitely going to be explored. I definitely believe season two uh, that they would explore what happened to her mom. I wouldn't be surprised if she had a new family and, you know, curious if she had her reasons or not coming back. Like, you know, um, I really don't think her mom would have just left and never came back. But I was disappointed when I found out that when she left, she left in the middle of the night. And I was like, you don't do that to your child, but maybe she was doing that to get away from her irresponsible husband, of course. And how was he able to keep Pearl on payroll if he's losing everything? I just don't. I don't think Pearl was making much. I don't think so either. Any final thoughts on season one of Black Cake? You know, I, I thought it was a ride. I really enjoy the cliffhangers um like i said i thought everything was well acted i have so many questions um about mabel and her baby daddy like what is going on over there you know what i mean Mm -hmm. got banned from his funeral he died before the baby was born like unless you lying about who your who the father is (laughs) was mabel wild up here in in these streets even her mom or her adopted mother tried to throw that in her face. So I'm definitely curious as to that and then what her reaction will inevitably be. And if she chooses to go down the path of trying to find her father in season two. So still and a lot I don't to explore. See that scoundrel. Like, I mean, he may ugh. be dead at this point. So yeah. it may be more so finding any kids that him and his wife may have had or yeah. anything like that. But how is that really going to go? The fact that she's not an American too. I just want to yeah. see more about how she's going to navigate everything. Because yeah. I'm so used to seeing a very American perspective on, you know, how we operate. So I'm excited. I I really hope this gets a season two so we can finish or continue rather to flush out these characters and flush out these secrets that have been held within these families. Definitely wanted to be a limited series though. I I don't need for it to go on a bunch of seasons, like two Mm, seasons. Yeah. I could see two or three being a wrap. I don't want it to be like um, big little lies. And to really feel like it's overstayed. It's welcome. In Girl. terms of why we're on this journey. But they definitely left a lot to be explored. So they did. All right, Delora. All right, guys. That is a wrap on our recap of Black Cake. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know your thoughts about this series, where you hope to see things go. Who was your favorite and least favorite character? All the things. <laughs> Let's move on to Hidden Gems for the week. What you got? All right, I have two hidden gems this week. Uh, The first is a film you and I are sharing (laughs) this one. It's One True Loves. It is a romantic comedy drama that came out last year. Um, It is based off of the 2016 novel by Taylor Jenkins Reid. We know and love her for her books daisy jones and the six and the seven husbands of uh evelyn hugo 
which I cannot wait for that. So this movie is available on Hulu now. Uh, it stars Philippa Sue, who is Eliza <laughs> from Hamilton, Simu Lee, and uh, what's his name? Luke Bricey. I, I actually, he looked familiar, but have I ever seen him in anything? Holiday. Is that him? Mm-hmm. Interesting, because I was like, where is he from? Um, This movie, like I said, the book I read last year, it was one of my favorite books of the year. This movie is like a step above a Hallmark movie. I'm not going to lie. It was given cheesy, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed going on this journey of like, what on this green earth would you do if you were married to the man that you love? since you were in high school and he went missing and was gone for years presumed dead moved on and is engaged with a new man and he shows back up what would you do not a new man your childhood best friend your childhood best friend who has always been in love with you by the way it's so funny me and my mom had opposing sides of who we were on in the love triangle okay okay so um okay so in the book i think i was always rooting for the childhood best friend um but i'm a sucker for friends to lovers as a book trope anyway but what about you who were you rooting for i was definitely rooting for the best friend i have my reasons that I can tell you about (laughs) later, but I, it it just, I I already had a feeling I already said, cause I think at first I was open when the movie first started. I'm like, let me get a a sense of the temperature. Who she is with each man. Yeah. And I just got this sense that like things have progressed in a way that this, that is no longer the right situation for you. And I think that inevitably is what it comes down to is like, Who's right for you right now? Not based yes. on nostalgia, not based on history, not based on any of those things. With either man, who yes. is the right partner for you right now? And it was so funny because we literally were on opposite sides while we were watching it. But I think once you watch the film, you understand how everything needs to kind of happen and come together. So I really enjoyed this. This is the this is a movie that I agree. Like it wasn't the best rom-com I've ever seen, but I just enjoyed the journey of yeah. the characters and how they kind of uh, put it together. Mm-hmm. And my second hidden gem is a song. Tyla, we know her for her hit song, Water. She has, she actually rolled out several new singles um, at the end of 2023. And one of them I really enjoy is called Truth or Dare. It's a vibe. It's Afrobeats. As you know, I adore Afrobeats. It's fun. I She's giving me Rihanna-esque moments, especially when it comes to very, like, catchy chorus. That's the, I think that's one of the reasons why we love Rihanna because Rihanna's songs, they stay with you. They, they stick with you. They're obviously good, but they're singable. And Tyla is filling that void a little bit. Um, so check it out. What do you have, Ashley? 
So outside of One True Loves, which the last thing I wanted to mention is I kept referencing Castaway. That was the only thing I kept thinking about throughout yeah. the movie. I was like, oh, yeah. when he comes back and Helen Hunt has moved on. Oh, that Oof. was gut-wrenching. And the fact that you know she was the only person that got him through the hard times. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yep. Tough. Um, my second hidden gem is Wonka. Um, I went and saw this in theaters. I'm a huge fan of the uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory version with Gene Wilder. It is mm-hmm. a staple, Classic. magical movie from my childhood that I rewatch. Yes, I know people now consider um, the uncle to be the villain and all these things. I've gone down those rabbit really? holes. Really? Yeah, because... Inevitably, when you look back at it, it is kind of crazy that supposedly y'all have been bedridden all this time and yet you're well enough to get up and go to the chocolate factory and all this it stuff. Was, it was four people in bed for me. I was just like, what bed, is this? Bedridden cannot help, cannot do anything to help the household and we're in poverty. It was a lot. But the movie was always <laughs> such a fun, whimsical, magical yes thing to me and I love it's candy so too well done so to make it around candy was really fun to me as a kid too and so I hated the Charlie and the chocolate but as much as I love um usually the collaborations with um Johnny Depp and uh what's the director's name Tim, Tim Burton, Burton. Mm-hmm. I I thought I absolutely hated that version and so when I heard that Wonka was coming with Timothy Chalamet I was like when I saw the trailer oh it looks like it's taking me back to a more whimsical place and I was excited for that and the movie did not disappoint when I went and saw Ooh. it in theaters there were elements that were callbacks to Gene Wilder version including some of the song choices including some of his mannerisms um it was interesting to see this version of Willy Wonka that is starting out because obviously when we see him in the Gene Wilder version, he is established. He is who he is already. And so to kind of see that journey was fascinating because I've never heard anything about his origin story. Never. And I just, and, and it was also heartfelt. I shed a couple of tears in, oh. the, in the film. Yeah. So it was, it was very well done to me. I really, really enjoyed it. So that is Wonka. It is out in theaters. So those are my two hidden gems for the week. Guys, thank you so much for listening to our first recap of 2024. Happy January to you. I hope that your year is off to a wonderful start. I was doing some self-reflection and what I came to thinking about the podcast is that it is a privilege to be able to speak to the world on a weekly basis and to be able to put out some positive entertainment. I just want to say it's a privilege and I appreciate doing it week after week. Absolutely, guys. Please share this episode with your friends, family, loved ones. We so appreciate it and we appreciate you. Until next time, as always, be blessed. Bye.